Welcome to the Movement is Life Health Disparities Podcast. I'm Mary O'Connor, Chair of Movement is Life, and so excited to have with me as my guest today on our podcast, Dr. Elvis Francois, also known as the Singing Surgeon. So Elvis, welcome. Well, pleasure, true pleasure and honor to be here with you all this morning. Thank you so much. So Elvis, you've already, you know, gained quite a bit of fame because you were on The Masked Singer (laughs) and your um, video with Dr. William Robinson as the singing surgeons went viral. Um, so, So tell us a little bit about how you came into this music space. You know, it's been quite a whirlwind of a year and a half. I guess the best way to, to, to explain it would be music for me uh, from the origin has always been something that's been a soundtrack in my life. I never sort of grew up with anyone in my family who were musicians, but uh, music was always a, a constant sort of theme in the background. My father, um, his, he's an Haitian, Haitian immigrant, and uh, you know, growing up, he would always sing. Uh, but he, he he would tell you himself he's a terrible singer. Is he a terrible yeah. singer? He would tell you that. He, those were his <laughs> own words. So if you're listening to this, Dad, you, you, he, he said that himself. Um, but uh, he, uh, growing up, you know, in, in good times or bad times, he would always be humming or singing a song. And uh, so for me, music was always something that I would always, you know, gravitate towards um, as, a, as a mood shifter or, or a mood changer. So that was the, the base, the, for me, the baseline. Throughout life, you know, as life ebbs and flows, I would always fall back on, onto music. And when I was in medical school, well, undergrad medical school and training, I never really sort of realized that music was something that was always uh, something that would help me get through time, difficult times. In particular, uh, during residency, as we all know, residency training um, uh, can be stressful and can be you know, long hours, a lot, a lot of time at the hospital. And uh, for me at that you know, at that time, music was was really, really uh, helping me get through, you know, those long call shifts. And um, in particular, so how this ended up coming to be was one day, uh, you know, where I did my training at Mayo Clinic, there are these grand pianos throughout the hospital. We had finished up a call shift, and uh, one of my co-residents, my, he, we were both orthopedic surgery residents at the time, he um, plays piano, and we had just finished up a shift, and it was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and, and I asked him, hey, man, you, you want to just uh, play a, a song, and, I, and I'll just kind of sing along? And so he started playing, and patients were walking by, and you know, hospital staff were walking by, and it ended up being sort of this incredible moment where, for me personally, I realized the power of music and how that could bring people together. And... Um, yeah, and since then, it's sort of just been something that I've realized um, was a missing piece for me in allowing me to reconnect to the humanity and the human side of medicine, which you kind of get lost when, you, when you're looking at the books and you're looking at the numbers and looking at the labs. You sort of lose sight of that sometimes. And so that was a, a reminder for me, and it has been ever since. For our listeners, um, Dr. Francois and I both trained in the, in the same program, orthopedic program at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Great program, and... Um, I can I can see the piano actually yeah. <laughs> where where uh, Dr. Robinson sat and you you stood there uh, to sing. So you then actually recorded music is medicine and re- in Rochester, Minnesota, as basically an album and released it in 2020 for uh, as a fundraiser for the COVID pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So so. You're, you know, you're still doing your day job as an orthopedic <laughs> resident. So how did you find the time to do this and, yeah, and yeah. C- 
create this album? Yeah, you know, it's that whole process was some was. Uh, you know, un to say unexpected, that'd be sort of uh, an understatement. Um, you know, I've never recorded music professionally or never actually, you know, gone into a recording studio and, and uh, you know, sat down to try to actually create music. But um, at that time, you know, we, we, there was a, we had recorded a, 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 a sort of performance at, at the Mayo Clinic, and so that took off on the Internet. And we started getting phone calls from different people in, in music, the music industry, and uh, I guess let me pause here by saying one of the most incredible things that COVID and this global pandemic has has shown me and all of us is the power of togetherness and what, what you can accomplish when you have a good team around you. And um, so at that time, you know, people were reaching out and saying, hey, how can we help? Um, how can we help you use this music to sort of uh, help people? And so we sort of brainstormed and we uh, had, had the idea that we would record, you know, some cover songs and we would release that on, you know, on iTunes and, and uh, Spotify, and we would try to channel that energy into uh, something uh, tangible and beneficial. So what we did was, you know, they, the, uh, so Big Machine, which is a record label in Nashville, Tennessee, they reached out and they were saying, we'd love to do this purely phil philanthropic, how can we help? And so we recorded the songs and we ended up um, releasing them and donated 100% of pro proceeds to, to COVID-19 charities. Um, and we donated uh, funds directly to families that were directly impacted and so it was it was an opportunity you know to to take a step back and to say you know this is a difficult time but how can we actually sort of um uh, harness what is going on and channel that into something for the greater good and and that was truly one of the uh, a great life honor of mine to, to be able to be part of that then you went to becoming a TV star, <laughs> right? Quite you were unexpected. on uh, season four of The Masked Singer as the Serpent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, tell us about, tell us that background. How did that <laughs> hump come together? Yeah, that, um, I think if you told me at the start of, you know, 2021 <laughs> that, hey, you know, later on this year, you're going to be wearing a giant serpent costume and you're going to be singing on, you know, uh, you know, major network I would tell you that you're probably you've probably lost your mind, but indeed that is what ended up happening. Uh, you know, it's uh, so they reached so they reached out, and the idea was very interesting because I've never prior to that I'd never sort of performed on stage before. I'd mostly just sung around the hospital, but um, you know the the concept was let's find a way to to use what what's happened to to put some, put some smiles on people's faces, and. Um, you know, it was really, really cool to say the least. Uh, you know, I went from, you know, working at the hospital and, you know, operating and uh, working as a spine surgery fellow to uh, fast forward, you know, putting on a, a, a seven-foot <laughs> costume and being a, a giant serpent, which was really, really cool because the backstory was the serpent was, you know, the, the caduceus, uh, the medical symbol that has the, the two snakes wrapped around the st staff. Uh, that was supposed to be a subtle hint at that. So that's why I was a serpent. But, um, yeah, it was really, really cool. It was definitely challenging and uh, stepping outside of the box. It's, it was a giant costume that is it's very hot on the inside and it's, it's very heavy. But And trying to perform in that is, was challenging. But um, uh, it, was, it, was, it was great to come back to the hospital and have, you know, hospital staff commenting on it and people who I would, I would work with who had no idea. So it was, it was a great uh, moral lift, uh, uh, uplifting moment for, for, for everyone at the hospital that I worked at at the time. So it was really, really cool. So you finished your residency um, training at Mayo Rochester and then went to Harvard for Spine Fellowship. And now you're getting your practice started. Mm -hmm. Tell us about where you are now. Yeah, so now I'm uh, just getting started. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia um, with a, uh, a private 
practice group, a multi-specialty group um, uh, called Resurgence Orthopedics. And uh, so I'm just getting started in practice. As many people um, may or may not be aware, it's uh, the journey to, to, to becoming a, um, an orthopedic surgeon is it's quite long. It's four, hour, four years, uh, not four hours, but four years of, of college, uh, four years of medical school, and then it's five years of residency, and then one year of, of fellowship. So um, I'm at the very end of, of the training part and, and now getting ready to to, to sort of harness uh, those years of training to, to help as many people as I can. And I'll be doing that in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and also juggling a lot. But it's, it's been a, a true, uh, an incredible journey, especially over the past year or so, seeing all those things sort of materialize and come together. And how do you envision carrying forth music is medicine into the future for you? You know, for me, um, as I said you know, earlier, music has always been something that has been there for me. So it's for me, it's almost like uh, like uh, <laughs> breathing or doing something naturally. So, what I've realized is that you know, music is an, has an incredible quality of bringing people together in ways that people would not have expected. Um, and so, for me, I think the medicinal qualities of music are are so tangible to me. And I've seen uh, you know uh, people impacted so deeply from uh, you know sharing music with the pediatric unit, with kids in the pediatric unit at the hospital, to you know singing songs at the ICU or doing a small show after after hours um, and, and seeing how that can really connect people. So for me, um, what I really envision is finding a space where I can continue to share music with, with patients, but then with, with people just in general, because music has this incredible quality of, of uh, uh, connecting people across the entire world. And uh, that's something that I, I, I did not appreciate prior to, to last year and, and something that I hope to continue to appreciate and help people appreciate over the, the next few years to come. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, during our training, uh, which is very much rooted in uh, kind of an analytical approach, mm -hmm. right? Data-driven, evidence-based medicine. And as you already commented, sometimes um, there's less emphasis on the humanity and the emotion and the feeling of what we're doing. And maybe that's where music comes in. Yeah. Because music essentially to me, is like a shortcut to your emotion. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great way to say it, actually. A shortcut to your emotion, actually. That, uh, it really highlights the, you know, the, the underlying theme that, that music really, really does that. You can listen to, it's, it's pretty fascinating, that, and there are studies on this, that music can actually shape your mood um, without you knowing. So if you have a song in the background that's at a, a certain you know, beats per minute that's pretty fast and, and happy feeling, you, it'll shift your mood. Um, there have been fMRI studies mm -hmm. that, have, that have sort of looked at that. And so it is truly a shortcut to your emotion. And, and as you mentioned, I think oftentimes, you know, with the data-driven aspect of, of what we do, you can, you're, you're looking at, you know, you know, the lab values, you're looking at the, at the numbers, but you sometimes can forget that there are, there are, there's a human being attached to these lab values and, and a human being attached to the data. And I think, um, for me, that's, music has really allowed me to, 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 to focus more on, on the, the person. And I think um, that's what I hope to share with, with uh, providers or, or people in the space of, of, of medicine to, to, uh, to find ways that they can connect with whatever their personal passions are that allow them to, to really connect with their patients on a deeper level. So I have to ask you about your name, Elvis, and you being a singer. I mean, is that like coincidence, or were you um, destined to become a singer, given the fact that, that your parents named you Elvis? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a quite an interesting story. Um, 
You know, I, 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 the, the destiny question, I'll leave up to, the, up to the fates, up to the universe. But my mother, she was a, a huge Elvis Presley fan. So there, I, I often joke that there are, you know, there are Elvis Presley fans who, you know, buy, buy the albums. <laughs> there are those who went to the concerts, and then there are the select few that named their children after him. And <laughs> my mom was in the third category. So she, um, she was a big Elvis Presley fan. Interestingly, growing up, she would, she would die. She would, she would perm my hair. And she would actually put me in like Elvis uh, costumes, and not on Halloween, just throughout the year. And I'd go to school like dressed up as Elvis. So <laughs> there was a little bit of childhood trauma. I'm kidding, but uh, there. But uh, my mom was a huge Elvis Presley fan. She actually had a. Uh, when I asked her about it, when I got old enough, and said, "Why did you name me Elvis? Like, where, where did this come from?" So she always was. I uh, grew up, you know, loving and watching Elvis uh, Presley. And a month before I was born, she had a dream that she was at an Elvis Presley concert, and her unborn child, she says, was was there with her. So she said she, th she thought it was a sign. And then the week that I was born, there was an Elvis Presley marathon on, the, on TV. And so th she took those two things to mean that God was telling her to name me Elvis, and the rest is, I guess, history. Well, I think that, that she listened appropriately. <laughs> she did. I always also, also often say I, I'm thankful that she wasn't a Bon Jovi fan, because Bon Jovi Francois would be a little strange or... Yeah, so Elvis, Elvis works. Elvis works. I'll take it. Elvis works. Elvis works great. So another interesting question that I think inquiring minds would want to know is how your social life has been impacted by being named by People Magazine in 2020 as one of the sexiest men alive. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a, a quite... Um, Quite, quite an interesting honor. I had no idea, actually, that that was happening. Um, the true story is, actually, we finished a case um, uh, while I was doing my fellowship, and I scrubbed out of the case. And when I walked out into the hallway, one of the, uh, uh, one of the nurses mentioned it. She was like, oh, my God, did you see this? Um, and, I had, and I was, like, walking out. And I thought they were joking. Um, but yeah, that's been a very interesting. So, so yeah. like, People Magazine didn't contact you and say, "Hey, we're thinking about putting you on our list of the I had no, sexiest." Yeah, yeah. sexiest men alive. I had no forewarning at all. I had no forewarning. But it was it was definitely a uh, it was a long day too, and uh, scrubbing out and finding that out was pretty surreal. So uh, definitely unexpected and, and pretty cool. A lot of my co um, coworkers give me a lot of a gripe about it, so they make, they make fun of me, fun of me quite a bit. So, but it's it's uh, it's been definitely a, a fun feather in the hat, I guess. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. I thought that they would have at least um, reached out to you and said, <laughs> "Hey, can we have your headshot, or you know, give us give us a little right more thought. of your bio." Yeah, it was, it was definitely cool, Un unexpected uh, in in ways that I would not have uh, ever imagined. What do you have planned uh, for Music is Medicine in the next few years? How are you going to continue to um, use the power of medicine to heal? Yeah. I think for me, you know, when this all started with that, that video that we posted um, sort of at the middle or beginning of the, the pandemic, uh, the, the, you know, a lot of things have happened since then, but... Um, after, uh, I think one, one of the most, uh, you know, impressive things to me personally was seeing, you know, getting messages from people across the country, messages from people, you know, across the world and other countries and seeing how music impacted them personally. Um, and so for me, what my, you know, my goal would be to, to continue to share music personally, but then also to inspire, you know, 
providers to find the things that they're passionate about that remind them of the humanity of what we're what we're here to do, and that's to take care of people and to help help people. And so I think, um, you know, I'll continue to share music and sing sing songs at the hospital and do you know mini concerts here and there. And uh, also, I'm working on some original music um, that I'm hoping to release next year. Uh, but I think the the underlying and the, the the true goal for me is to to really allow people to take a step back to to truly understand that the best way to take care of people is to to realize that that you must you have to connect with that person and in fact both of us trained where we trained um at, at Mayo Clinic uh, we you, as you know Frank uh, Dr. Frank Frank Sim who is a orthopedic on, uh tumor oncologist at, at Mayo Clinic um one of the things he taught he told me was was my um, intern year uh we were he he's a, a legendary figure, but one of the things he, he said after he was walking down the hallway and he just kind of looks over to me after we had a difficult case. It was a patient who who had a young patient who had a, a, a sort of a terminal diagnosis. Um, and um, he looked at me and he said, um, you know, Elvis, sometimes it's very important to realize that you have to, to uh, bear the burden of hope for your patients. And um, that that quote sort of really, really stuck to me that you have to bear the burden of hope, that meaning you have to find ways to, to instill hope with people, and for me personally, music is uh, what how I hope to 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 do, the, to do that with with patients. And you know, if it means inspiring a, a little kid to play the ukulele, or if it means putting a smile on a patient's face by saying "Stand by Me," which is their favorite song, I think um, that's how I personally hope to use music and to channel it uh, throughout the the next years to come. Well, we are both uh, members of the Frank Sim Fan Club. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Dr. Sim is a huge mentor of mine, and uh, professionally, I would never uh, be where I am without his guidance and mentorship. So, you know, I unapologetically, you know, love Frank Sim. Likewise. And um, that's incredible advice, and so very much Frank, mm. right, yeah. to, to, um, to share how important that is, that sometimes we do have to bear the burden of hope. Mm. And when you think of that, you know, to me, it's a very easy translation to using music as a way of helping those patients continue to have hope. Mm -hmm. And in the world of disparities, which, of course, is what we're about at, mm -hmm. at Movement is Life and combating disparities, particularly musculoskeletal disparities, um, you are an incredible, you know, shining star of... An African American orthopedic surgeon who's a spine surgeon who's going to go out there and serve all of humanity. Share a little bit about kind of your experience with disparities in musculoskeletal medicine and how you feel we should be attacking these disparities to improve equity. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you 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 uh, you highlighted it quite well there. I think the, the key term there is equity and, and making. Uh, not only access to healthcare equitable, but also um, realizing that it's difficult to be what you don't see. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I, you know, looking at, you know, if you, if, if I were to think to myself, what is, what, what do I think of a spine surgeon? You know, there weren't many people who looked like me who were who were in that profession. So I think um, uh, the the first one of the first steps is to 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 you know allow for um, a greater degree of diversity and. and within the uh, field of medicine and STEM, and particularly within orthopedic surgery, which I think we are starting to, to appreciate better. Um, because I think uh, there's also sort of that disconnect there when you, if you have a, a patients who are 
uh, not necessarily uh, getting equitable access to care and also not seeing themselves uh, well represented within you know the provider pool so I think uh, you know as far as far as music and how that connect, connects um, one of the most interesting things I think is visibility and, and um, you know getting messages from you know people who are in college who are uh, you know hopefully applying to medical school and seeing people who look like them uh, in in uh, subspecialty fields is very, very important. And I think we're starting to see that, that change in different um, orthopedic surgery um, uh, uh, residencies and, and training programs across the country. So I think those things are very, very important, you know, uh, allowing uh, us to, to diversify the, the provider pool because I think a, a diverse um, pool of providers uh, allows, you know, those, those physicians to connect better with their patients. And patients, the, the, the quality of trust that they'll have within uh, the providers taking care of them also so improves. So I think those 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 are things that are slow, are turning the tide now, and I think the, those conversations we're having those conversations um, much more um, across the board and on the, at the table. And so I think that's how we we so, sort of shift the needle. Um, and I think music, um, uh, you know, has that interesting quality again of connecting with people across the board. You know, I, it doesn't matter who you are and where you are. That you, everyone has a favorite song. Music has that quality of bringing people across who are very, very different to the table, and um, that's one of the things that I hope to continue to, to allow music to do is to bring people together, um, and uh, uh, it interweaves and it connects us all in many interesting ways. And yeah, and, and if I could be part of that process, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm truly honored. So, what's your favorite song? Ooh, it's a great question. It's like, uh, what's your favorite child? I'd say my favorite song is probably "Stand By Me." Just because, I mean, if it, on surface level, it seems like a love song. I'll tell you why it's my favorite song. So Dr. Robinson, who's a, he was also a co-resident of mine. He plays the piano. We, this is after we, had, we were on the Ellen show, and so there was a, a lot of noise that came with that. But one of the coolest things that came of that was uh, we, there was a patient who was um, in our ICU who um, was a gentleman who um, was uh, unfortunately provided with a terminal diagnosis, and he was... I uh, had about a, a week or two um, uh, to uh, to live, uh, and he uh, was uh, in a long-term relationship, and his girlfriend actually came into the hospital, and they wanted to, to get married before he, he, he passed away. And so they the, the ICU, they set up sort of a, um, uh, a an actual, they have brought in a priest, they, she wore a dress, um, and they actually set up a, a wedding in the, in the ICU, and she asked us to, if we could perform at the wedding. And so um, her, this, her song of choice was Stand By Me. And so, you know, I never really, like, really thought deeply on the words, but, um, you know, when the, when the night has come, you know, and, you know, what is it, which is how it starts, and it's basically talking about when the darkest of days are here, um, you know, stand by me, and I'll, I'll stand by you. And so we're, as we're singing the song, and she's there with, with him, and he was, he was lying down, and really, like, sat with me and allowed me to really connect with the, those words on a deeper level, so... For me personally, "Stand By Me" is probably my favorite song, just because it connects, uh, just because of the the, the meaning and the, and the gravity of the song, and it's beautifully written. All right, well, I'll have to take a break for a moment because I'm getting all teary-eyed <laughs> from your story. Yeah, it was, it was, that was a tough one to perform without getting teary-eyed myself. But that's all about the power of love and how powerful that is, and the fact that I can be moved simply by you telling me the story, and I wasn't even there. Okay, so, because I'm supposed to be interviewing you and not crying myself, <laughs> let's wrap up with what, an important message that you want to share with our listeners. 
a lot has happened over the past year and a half, things that I did not expect to happen. Um, and I think that's been the case for, for many of us, um, anyone who's listening. Um, you know, the pandemic, this was the first time in generations that the entire world was focused on the same problem. It didn't matter if you were in Bangladesh, if you were in Japan, if you were in Miami, Florida, if you're in Wisconsin, we all were facing this one issue. And I think, um, uh, you know, in the darkest of times, nothing shines brighter than the human spirit. And we were witness to that last year and into this year. Um, and if there's one important thing that I, I've realized, was it's that there, when we come together, we can do so much. So much good can come when we come together. If we look at the, 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 how rapid the, the, the vaccine push was, was made and how we were able to, 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 to arrive at a, at a solution that quickly, it's because we all came together. And so, you know, for me, going into the hospital, you know, at the, throughout the, the pandemic, one of the things that I really appreciated was seeing people from all walks of life come together to tackle the one uh, problem. You know, you have people of all specialties at being asked to sort of to, to do things that, that, that are not part of their, their job description and seeing everyone come together at a hospital to take care of patients uh, and in particular to focus on one problem. It was amazing to see that how, how good we can be when we're together. So I think um, last year, many times we can focus on the, how difficult it was, but I'd like to focus on how beautiful it was to see people from all walks of life come together. And I think if, if it's anything that we could have learned, we, we're better, we can be better you know, mothers, better fathers, better brothers, sisters, friends, when we come together. And I think um, that would be the one message that I think we should all focus on, uh, looking at what we were able to take away from, from the, you know, a very dark year last year, which is leading to a brighter tomorrow. So that's, that'd be the one message that I'd, I'd, I'd share. How much better we can be when we all come together. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm certainly convinced that that's what we have to do to improve health in our nation, to improve health in our communities. I mean, we, we have to come together, multiple stakeholders, you know, listen to our communities, find out what their needs are, um, not go in with right. the classic uh, paternalistic attitude of medicine, which is that, you know, we know what's best for you, right. uh, when in fact we don't. Right. And so I, I, I think that is just a fabulous message. Yes, when we come together, we can do so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Dr. Elvis Francois, thank you so much. We're uh, just delighted to have you as a guest on the Health Disparities Podcast and look forward to more Music is Medicine Absolutely. from you in the future. I look forward to sharing. A true honor to, to join you all today, and I look forward to hopefully continuing to, sh to, share, to share these messages with uh, as many people as possible. And Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Let's close out with our listeners enjoying you perform Stand By Me. Here you go. Oh, we did talk about so this. So I've invited Dr. Elvis to sing Stand By Me. Well, well we will sing Stand By Me. No, no, that's By not me. what I agreed to, but we. anyway. So I'll do, I'll, <laughs> you can? So I'll do, how about this? So I'll do the first, uh, I'll do the first uh, verse. And because I think we have the words. We'll we have do. the words. And then you all will join me for the chorus. All right? You all know the, you know the song? Stand by me? Yeah, Benny. Benny. They know it. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, great. Do you have the, you have the words for the, for the good people? Mm. All right, great. You know, the cool thing about this song is that uh, I didn't know this, but this song was actually written, it was inspired by uh, a psalm. Uh, and in that psalm, like, a, 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 I think it's Psalm 46, but the, the, the lyrics are inspired by, like, being in a difficult place, 
being in a place where there's no help and realizing that there's help to come. It was, it's originally uh, uh, inspired by a religious song, but these words were then turned into a love song. So it, the meaning is pretty, is pretty cool to me. But you all will start singing. We will fourth. start all right. singing. Great. You can invite us in when you're ready. Right. I'll bring, I'll you want to stand? I'll wave you, you all in. Yeah, we'll stand. I'll wave you all in. When the night has come and the land is dark and the moon is the only light I see. No, I won't be afraid. No, I won't shed a tear just as long, just as long. As you stand by me. And everyone. So darling, darling, stand by me. Oh, stand by me. Oh, darling, stand by me. You all did a great job. You all did a great job. When the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall or the mountain should crumble to the sea I won't cry I won't cry no I won't shed a tear just as long just as long as you stand by me whenever you're in trouble won't you stand by me whoa stand by me oh darling Stand by me. Beautiful. Woo! Nice. Thank you, thank you. All right. That was good. Okay. Great. So with that, we will, we will close our 2021 Movement is Life National Caucus. Thank you very much. Everyone, safe travels home, and we'll see you next year. Awesome. Thank you, thank you.